Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this, our last lesson on the subject of the Bible's teaching on healing, Dr. Mitchell gives us several biblical examples from the lives of people in the Scriptures. Dr. Mitchell will give us an overview of three reasons for sickness and three reasons for death. Now, on what grounds does God heal? Dr. Mitchell gives us two bases on which God does heal, and that in accordance with His will. When a person prays on the ground of redemption for the glory of God, God may heal. Now, He does not always heal, but God can and does heal for His glory and the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. As we study along with Dr. Mitchell, seeking to bring to light the truth of healing for the body of Christ, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 to begin. Thank you. We've been discussing together the question of the gift of healing as found in the Scriptures. And we've been discussing it from a number of viewpoints. And we're down to the place where we were discussing the fact that there are three reasons for sickness. One can be sick because of one's own folly. If we eat something that we shouldn't eat and we know we're going to be sick, then you ought to be sick. And, and I don't want to sound hard, but I'm talking to Mitchell when I say that. 
And then sickness can come to us as a chastisement from God. We found that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he gives instructions concerning the Lord's table. And then I was dealing with the fact that one can be sick for the glory of God. You know, some years ago, I remember people informing me that when people were sick, they were sick because they had sinned. They were sick because they were out of the will of God. My friend, that is not true. As a rule, people who say that are those who are healthy and big and strong, and they've got no conception of what it means to be sick or to be weak, frail. Yet I tell you, my friend, it's an amazing how God can be glorified through the bodies of people who are weak and sickly, frail. Some of God's greatest, greatest saints down through the centuries have been weak, physically weak and frail. And we were discussing this question of Job in our last lesson. How that Job was an illustration of one being sick for the glory of God. And I think I was closing with the fact that the Apostle Paul himself said, uh, he and the other apostles were appointed to death. They were made a spectacle. They were the actors on the stage revealing certain things to the world and to angels and to men. Did you ever stop to think that God cannot trust some of his people with sickness? You ever think about it? Oftentimes a person is sick and you wonder why they're sick. And then all of a sudden they get well. God has fulfilled the purpose for which they were sick. Now repeat it. Even demons and angels and men are taught something of the grace of God through his people in physical sickness and infirmity. As you know, I've been a pastor for many, many years, and I could sit here and, and, and illustrate this over and over and over again of how people have done more for the glory of God while they were sick than when they were healthy and strong. Amazing thing, this. And not only are we, when one is sick do we become instruments for the glory of God in the lives of others, but oftentimes in one's own life. And how often I've had Christians tell me that they'd be willing to go through their suffering all over again if they thought they would experience the same thing from God that they had the last time. I've oftentimes said, and I repeat it, it is in the hard places we really get to know God. So, my friend, if you're sick, I would suggest this. If you're a Christian and you get sick, first of all, examine your heart in the light of God. Is God trying to teach you something through that infirmity? If your heart is clear before God, then you can be sure that God has honored you to use you as a vessel in teaching others, in blessing others. I remember taking a missionary, for example, from South America to see a friend of mine who had been sick for quite a number of years. 
And after we had left the home where this sick man was, he turned to me and he said, You know, Mr. Mitchell, I went there to be an avenue of blessing to him. Instead of that, I found him a service station. And I've come away filled with the blessing of God just to be in the man's presence. Ah, yes, friends. You get sick, you examine your heart before God, and who knows, God may be honoring you for the instruction of angels, of demons, of men of the world, of the wonderful grace of God. How often I have heard people of the world say concerning Christians, I don't know how she stands it. To all her sorrow and her afflictions and suffering, and the Lord knows she's had plenty of it. He always is smiling and always is gracious and loving. I don't know how in the world she does it. No, my friend, she's an illustration from God. God never leaves his people. And it's in the hard places we really get to know God. So I'm trying to get to your heart. So as I say, there were three reasons for sickness. Now, let me finish that. There are three reasons for death. You see, a Christian can die because his work is finished. Maybe I should say this first, that death is a defeated foe. You know that. Death is a defeated foe. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, our Lord said that he carried on his girdle the keys of death and of hell. That is, he carried the authority he had authority over death and of hell. And death cannot touch, I speak of physical death, cannot touch a believer who's walking in the presence of God, in the will of God. In fact, one is immortal till his work is finished if we're walking with God. So let me come down to this thing. Three things why a Christian, I'm talking about Christians, why Christians die. One can die because their work is finished. You remember, uh, Paul could say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. There is therefore laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. So you see, the Spirit of God used Paul, and the work was finished, the time of my departure is at hand, time to go home. His work was finished. Peter had the same thought in 2 Peter chapter 1 when he said, the time for the putting off of my tabernacle is at hand, even as the Lord hath revealed it unto me. His work was finished. And when a person's work is finished on earth, the Lord takes him home. Now, don't you be the judge of that. I have seen young men taken home from, from this world, died in an early age, and they were devoted to the Lord. And yet the Lord took them home. Their work was finished. The Lord has a work for you to do. He's got a purpose in your life. And when that purpose is completed, he'll take you home. I remember a very close associate of mine saying, I don't mind going home. But I hate to, to go the way I may have to go. That is, through the, through the door of death. But he's with you. As the 23rd Psalm says, you remember, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, 
Thou art with me, never leaves us. From the moment you and I are saved until we stand in his presence, conformed to the image of his Son, he never leaves us for one moment. Death is a defeated force. John 5.24 says we have already passed from death to life. So one can leave this world because our work is finished. Now, another reason for death. One can die prematurely. You mean to tell me that Christians can die prematurely? Yes, under the judgment of God. Now, I read a while ago from Corinthians chapter 11 at the Lord's table. You remember where uh, Paul says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and let of that spread and drink of this cup. For he that eateth worthily or unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, many sleep. It's possible for a Christian to be taken from this world prematurely before his work is finished under the judgment of God. Now, again, I want to say the Lord has never made you a judge or put you on a jury on this matter. But it's true that a Christian can die ahead of time. For example, in Acts chapter 5, here is Ananias and Sapphira. You remember they lie to the Holy Spirit, and Peter pronounced judgment upon them, and they both died because of a moral issue. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I know that many have died since who have lied. But as I said in the preceding message, at the beginning of each dispensation or responsibility of man, God oftentimes performs the miraculous. And here you have Peter pronouncing judgment, more than likely fulfilling the statement of our Lord, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and so on. You take, for example, in the book of, 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 of Timothy. Well, let me go back a little further. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You remember the Apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthian church, this church that had all the gifts of the Spirit, and they were glorying in the looseness, moral looseness. A young man, taking his mother, committed adultery. And instead of being on their faces before God, they were kind of shrugging their shoulders about it, indifferent to it. And Paul says, listen, when you come together with my spirit and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his soul, his soul might be saved at the coming of the Lord. Here is real judgment, death, as a chastening hand, from the chastening hand of God because of a moral issue. You take in Timothy. The Apostle Paul turned two men over to Satan that they might learn not to blaspheme. The doctrinal issue. Take in 1 John chapter 5. That verse, which oftentimes is, I've been asked too many times about that in 1 John chapter 5, which is possibly the last chapter that John ever wrote. 
He wrote concerning fellowshipping with God, who was righteous and so on. And dear John talks about a sin, a sin unto death. Listen to what he says. If any man, verse 16, if any man see his brother, sin is sin, which is not unto death, he shall make inquiry concerning it, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it, make inquiry concerning it. All unrighteousness is sin, but there is a sin not unto death. Now, he's talking about believers. It's possible for a believer to sin unto death. This is the chastening hand of God. In fact, I remember a young man saying to me, Mr. Mitchell, I notice you're not praying for my healing anymore. I said, no, I mentioned him by name. I said, no, I don't feel free. I said, you have a thing here in your life. We've talked about it, and you're still stubborn about it. I think that in view of the fact that you haven't even, you've been indifferent to the question of confessing your sin before God. Well, he said, you know, I'm not going to live. A week before he died, he said to me, he said, Mr. Mitchell, I've already, I've gotten straightened out with the Lord, he said. I'm not going to go all the detail of this, except just this statement. He said, I've, I've gotten straightened out with the Lord, but I'm not going to live. The Lord's taken me home. The Lord had given conviction to this man that he was not going to live because of his willfulness as a Christian. Certain things he was insisting he would do. If he got out of bed, he would do it. Before he died, of course, he came right back into fellowship with God. But that didn't change the thing. It's possible for a Christian to die prematurely. Now, the third reason why a Christian dies is for the glory of God. You mean to tell me that a man can die for the glory of God? Of course. You take the early martyrs. They died for the glory of God. You take John chapter 21. You remember the Lord said to Peter, Peter, when you get to be old, they're going to take you where you don't want to go, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when the Lord made that statement, Peter turned and said, and well, if I'm going to die, what is John going to do? What's this man going to do? And that Jesus said, if it's my will, my desire, that he tarry till I come, what's that got to do with you? Peter, mind your own business. But Jesus said that Peter's death would be for the glory of God. I think it's in Paul's mind in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, when he said, that Christ be glorified in my body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death. It's possible that a believer can die prematurely under the chastening hand of God, or a believer can die for the glory of God. I trust I've made myself clear on this. Three reasons for sickness and three reasons for death. Now, let's go back to this question of healing. 
Someone's going to ask me the question of Mark 16, 17 to 18. These signs shall follow them that believe, and he gives us a list that cast out demons, speak with new tongues, they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And we're dealing here with the question of healing. Now, this was true in our Lord's day. Our Lord laid hands on the sick, and everyone recovered. And in chapter 10 of Matthew, our Lord gave those credentials to his disciples, but they were not to go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans. They were to take no money with them. They were to go to the last sheep of the house of Israel. So when you come to this question of, of Mark 16, if you're going to stand upon that, remember, if you claim to be a believer and lay hands on the sick, you feel that's what you must do. Remember that they were all healed, not just one or two here and there. They were all healed. No matter what their disease was, no matter what their condition was. I must close with this, with this question. Does God heal? Certainly. But he heals on the ground of his love and on the ground of his relationship. You remember in John 16, 23 to 28, our Lord says, In that day when the Spirit of God indwells you, you will ask in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Now ask that your joy might be full. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you love me. Ah, on the ground of his love for us. He will meet our need. On the ground of his love, on the ground of relationship. You take, for example, in 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, if we pray according to his will, he heareth us, and we know if he hears us. We have the petitions, whatever we ask of him. In John 14, 13 to 14, where the Lord gives us his resources in prayer for the glorification of the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What for? For the glory of God. So that when you pray, you pray on the ground of redemption. That is, you come in his presence in the name of Jesus because of, your, of the fact that you are his child, you've been redeemed, and you're in his family, you're related to him, and because he loves you. Just like our Lord in John 17, 24, how did he pray? Father, I want something. I will that all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. On the ground of the Father's love, he expected to be answered, likewise with us. To those of you who are shut in, frail bodies, weak in body, possibly in suffering, may I say to you today, for your encouragement, you search your heart, and if you're in touch with the Lord, you, your fellowship is with the Lord, and there's no sin between, you've confessed your sin, he's forgiven you and cleansed you, and you're still sick, then possibly the Lord, that sickness could be for the glory of God. And God has honored you and chosen you to be a vessel whereby his Son will be glorified, whereby others will be blessed and brought to the saving knowledge of Christ. Oh, how often I have seen this 
God's people in suffering have been a benediction even to the unsaved. And may the Lord bless you in this brief study, and may he make his face to shine upon you these days for his name's sake. darkness Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see, broke sin's chains that long had bound me, brought me life and liberty. Oh, glorious love of Christ my Lord divine, that made him Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.